we're going to focus on the Christmas challenge and uh, kind of the real essence of Christmas and why we've come. And so for a few minutes today, I want to convince all of us uh, that we're all a part of a big gift exchange uh, and that everybody's been invited this morning to a gift exchange. And we'll find our text this morning in the book of John, chapter number three, beginning with verse 16. It's just the song that the uh, praise team just sung to us. And just before we get started, would everybody do me a favor? Would you hold that cup up before the Lord? And would you humbly say, fill my cup, Lord, and let it overflow. And before I preach to you this morning, I'm excited to tell you that I love you. Okay, thank you so much. I value this opportunity to sow the seeds of the Word of God into your life. I pray that they make a difference. And today I believe the Word of the Lord is going to make, give somebody or bring them a great harvest. If you're watching online, God bless you. Good morning. We're excited that you're connected with us. And we love you too. The Word of the Lord in Saint, uh, John chapter number 3, beginning with verse 16, simply says this. Read along with me. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only, that's important, somebody underlined that word only, begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not church, but they shall have, somebody help me, everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn, that's easy for you to say, right? To condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he does, who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. For God so loved the world, John writes, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so you are uh, in one of our third uh, preaching series, in our series, the third segment of uh, the Christmas story. And Pastor Eric preached about the Christmas journey last week and today. We want to preach for just a few minutes on the subject of uh, you are all invited to make it a gift exchange. And in this time of year, y'all, there's so much commercialization of Christmas. Uh, I think it started like a month or so ago, so many commercials. Uh, But do we have, Josh, that that manger scene, that manger? This, uh, as opposed to like what Pastor Eric showed us, that real commercialized version of the manger scene, uh, some people think it actually looked like this. It is no frills. It's getting back to, to this scene. And this is what happened. And you and I take our motivation and our encouragement to getting back to the Christmas story and the real elements that, that this was not pretty and this was not eloquent, but this changed the world and this changed our lives. And it has the ability, as we focus on the true meaning of Christmas, to change the trajectory of everyone's life in this room. Do I have anybody here that celebrates the opportunity that we have to have everlasting life? So when we focus on like the real meaning of Christmas, and if you're in my family, and you know I just told you that I'm from a family of 12, and so we all did give gifts, 
But y'all, that's too many people to give gifts to. So what we decided to do was to do a gift exchange. And so we didn't have enough money to give everybody something. Our parents would give everybody something. But as brothers and sisters, we did a name exchange, and we would just give one person something. So it got me to thinking the other day, what is a gift exchange? We never had like a formal uh, meeting or anything about it. We just drew names out of a hat, and and there you were. But, But this is an actual practice that people observe. So I thought, what is a gift exchange? Also called, I didn't know this, a ceremonial exchange it is to transfer a good and services that although regarded, watch this church, as voluntary, you don't have to participate by the people involved, it is part of an expected social order and behavior. So what does that mean? That if you are in, you got to be all the way in. That, that if you're going to give something, you have the right to expect something back. And also then... Uh, 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 if you get something, for sure, you should give something. And it's an exchange of inalienable objects between people who are in a state of, watch this, reciprocity, reciprocal dependence. Somebody help me with this. It only works if everybody gives something. It doesn't work if somebody shows up empty-handed. You just threw us off. You just messed up. Our, and everybody worked hard. And we've been planning this the month. How could you show up empty-handed to the gift exchange? It is a reciprocal dependence that establishes a qualitative relationship between transactors. As much as we want it to be, be, be joyful and glee and the spirit of the season, if you don't show up with nothing... <laughs> You're going to mess us up. I was surprised to know this. Tell me if you knew this. Uh, uh, the rush has never observed all this, but, but how many of you knew that there are actually rules to a gift exchange? Like, there's rules to this. Like, if you end this, like, there's rules to this. And not to observe the rules is to violate. Like, how do you violate? This is all fun. No, no, no. It's fun if you follow the rules. So, so here it is. Here it is. I'm going to give you these rules just for a second. You got me, Josh? Josh, Josh got me. Uh, number one, we have to set a price limit, right? So we have to know how much everybody's going to spend. Is this a $20 gift exchange? Is this a $50 gift exchange? Because we don't want uh, what happened to me. Uh, when I was a, a teenager in the purity class in the Church of God in Christ, that we had a $20 limit. And, and, and somebody brought me, this is, this is true. Uh, 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 y'all ever heard of hot karate? <laughs> y'all ever heard of hot karate? <laughs> like it's an old 70s kind of cologne. <laughs> It's a knockoff of real friend. It's like, it, it would, y'all heard of brute, right? Brute, brute. Hot karate is kind of like a brute, right? And I opened it, but here's the problem. Like half of it was used, right? <laughs> I got a used bottle of hot karate, y'all. This person didn't understand the price limit. Like everybody got to meet the price standard if we're going to have a good time. Number two. We got to set a date, a celebration date, 
and we put it in the future. And the thing about putting the date in the future, here's what it does. It lets everybody prepare. And then it gives everybody an, an assignment, an appointment to come and show up and transact. Number three, I, I didn't know any of this, y'all. We have to decide what kind of presence we're going to give, right? So I, I didn't know this because we always gave serious presents, but... I guess there are exchanges where people show up to give gag gifts, right? Like, that's, the half, that's half the fun of it, right? So, so when I was eating dinner with uh, Tim Brown, he passed around, like, I guess this Purdue beaver or something like that. It's supposed to be a gag gift that keeps making its way around and nobody wants to keep it. Uh, so so are those, are those going to be, you know, acceptable, right? And, and one time I was at a, a party and somebody gave someone a six-pack of Coke, but they had poured all the coke out, and they wrapped it and gave it and said, you got the wrong one, baby. Like, <laughs> so, so is that cool or, or is that not cool? We got to establish that because we don't want some people gagging when other people are serious, right? Number four, is there a presentation standard? We got we to figure, are we wrapping gifts? Or are we just going to throw them out there? How, how are we going to do it? And Because and, and, for some people... Uh, one of the competitions within it is who has the best rap gift, right? So some people get down like that. So we got to establish that. And all of these rules are so that we're on the same page and nobody comes and gets disappointed. And the fifth rule is, are we going to reveal the identity of givers or are, we go, are givers going to remain anonymous, you know, kind of in a white elephant situation where we just all buy a gift at a certain price level and then, you know... Uh, if you're like me, you happen to go first and you never end up in a white elephant with what you really want, right? <laughs> so all of these things. And then when that happens, uh, what we would do at home is we would draw a name so we would know out of everybody, this is the person I'm focused on. This is the person I'm assigned to bless. There may be 50 people there, but I'm only assigned to bless this one person. I can put my whole focus on this. And then uh, uh, lastly, you should do your research, which is what do they need? How can I bless them? What would change their lives? What would make a difference? Uh, what is that one thing that they would want, but they would, they would never buy for themselves? They just, it's just outside of the budget. It always never quite makes the budget. And sometimes if you do your research, you could find that thing and you could really surprise them or bless them. But you need to know what they need, what they like, what their size is, what their interests are, and what their favorite color is. So today, y'all, in uh, John, he describes this gift exchange. He says now uh, that God was a part of a gift exchange. And, 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 and God joined the gift exchange, somebody celebrate with me, not knowing if anybody else would sign up or not. Not knowing if anybody else would give or not, that God well, made himself vulnerable. He, 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 he just gave something, hoping and supposing that what he gave would first be received. And then those who were in reciprocal relationship or those who received would agree also to be in reciprocal relationship with him. And that they too, having been blessed immeasurably, 
having been given the gift of Jesus, would, even if they weren't previously convinced that Jesus is such a great gift, that they too, it would move something in them, that they too would want to give. God saw a world, he did his research, in desperate need of saving and redemption. He decided to give something to the hurting. Did his research. Is anybody glad that God did his research? Is anybody glad that God found you? In just a second, I'm going to read a list, and I'm going to give you a chance to shout out something because my list is not going to be exhaustive, and you know some things that are not on my list. If, you, if you're online, write it in the chat. Uh, uh, he looked out, and he found some hurting people. Then he looked out, and he said, well, these people over here, they're broken, and maybe you were in that group. Then he found the people who were unloved, who were looked over, disenfranchised, the unwanted. Anybody ever felt unwanted? Then he found those who were outcast, the overlooked, and I was in that group. I've been overlooked. He found the proud, the boastful, the beggar, the Jews, the Gentiles, the young and the old. He found the rich, the poor. Anybody ever got to your street chat? He found those who make up the quartet of the vulnerable. I had to find one. Tell me if you like this, Pastor E. He found those who were in the symphony of the wealthy. Those who knew that they needed him and those who thought they didn't. And for just five seconds here, I need y'all to help me complete my list. Somebody yell out what he, what he found in you. Come on, somebody, help me with this. You, you don't have to raise your hand. Just yell it out. When he found me, he found the broken. Anybody else? Hopeless. I like that. Anybody else? The brokenhearted. Anybody else? The what? The depressed. Did he, what did he find when he found you? The weak. He did his research. Then he went back and said, I've got something for you. Hold on. Just hang on just a little while longer. Come on, somebody. Weeping may endure for the night. But if you can hang on just a little while longer, I've got something for you. He gave something to everyone. He did something for everyone. And somebody celebrate with me tonight that we, today, that we were all on his list. We were all on his list. We are all on his list. So let's go back to John and see just how good God did at following the gift rules. <laughs> so here's, we got to compare God. God, here are the gift exchange rules. Let's see how you did. One, we set a price limit, but it looked like God blew that out of the water. God exceeded the price limit. He paid over and above. Because John said that when the blood of goats and heifers and lambs were no longer sufficient... God looked around the heavens and said, what can I pay? What can I give? And Patricia just sung it. If riches would have paid the debt, God could have sown all the walls of Jasper and the streets paid with gold. But he knew the price of one lost soul was more than wealth could buy. What did he have? The Bible says he had something of which it was his only. The Bible said... That it cost him his only. 
The question today is, is, is what do you love and what do you have? What do you revere that you would give your only to it? Can God get your only? The Bible says that God exceeded the price limit. He gave his only and he set a date and Pastor E talked about this. There was a prophecy concerning Jesus. And even uh, uh, when, when Mary and Joseph were in Nazareth and, and Mary was pregnant, Pastor Jody did such a great job talking about that. And Pastor E last week that, that they were close. But God had set a date and a place that even when we are in our Nazareth, God said, I won't do it there. That I insist that you get to your Bethlehem season. And so he set a place for it to happen. What about gift wrapping and presentation? God's like, yeah, no, I'm not worried about that. (laughs) Y'all saw that manger, right? God did not win the gift wrapping contest. He did not win because the Bible said there's no form of commonly. We would not. We would not desire him. He didn't bring him in eloquence. He didn't bring him in gold. He didn't look like the elite. He did not look like the creme de la creme. He looked like broken you. He He looked like something you and I could identify with, something we could accept. So God did not win the gift wrapping contest. And then, of course, John says, Will we reveal the giver or not? John says, yeah, no, we revealed it. The Bible said God did it. (laughs) That God so loved the world. That don't get the gift twisted. Jesus was not a white elephant. Jesus is the identity of Jesus. And the giver of Jesus is not anonymous. That if you accept him, you ought to know he is the gift of God. (laughs) So let me give you a few things that we learn from God's gift giving that if you and I agree to be in reciprocal dependence and reciprocal relationship that if Jesus has impacted you that if Jesus has moved you if Jesus has healed you if Jesus has saved you if Jesus has lifted you and I, and I know and I believe that I'm talking to some people who are convinced about the presence of Jesus in their lives that if you then re-risen with Christ that you and I are admonished to seek those things which are above. That God's presence in your life ought to make a change on the inside. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside, it brought about a change in my life. That there's no way to really receive Jesus and stay the same. That to receive him is to be impacted by him. Anybody that claims Jesus that hasn't started thinking different, living different, being convicted differently, you have not really received Jesus. Jesus changes you. He moves you. Things I used to do, I don't do no more. Anybody growing because of Jesus? Here's six things. Then I have a challenge for you. Here's what God's giving Jesus reveals. Because y'all help me complete that list. One, it reveals 
that God is a conscious giver. He is aware of who he's given to and he knows what they need. So if you and I agreed, and in a minute I'm gonna try and convince you to agree, that we should give as God has given already, right? Then as a church, and I love common ground, I love how we're uniquely positioned. I love what God is doing here. Then we should look at the world around us and instead of shutting off the news because we don't like what we hear and what we see, we should turn on the news so that we can see the plight of people around us. God is a conscious giver. He didn't stick his head in the ground. He didn't act like we weren't hurting. He didn't act like we weren't broken. He didn't act like we really didn't need him. What would it look like if God turned off the news? I need to know where the hurting people are. I need to know where the broken people are. I need to know where the alienated are. I need to know where the disenfranchised are. I can't help them if I don't know. God is conscious. God also has elected to be connected. Y'all remember prophet David and the Bible says that he lived in a house of cedar but the ark of God was in a tent. And it was something about David's house being better than God's house that, that just didn't settle with David. Because he was connected. Y'all, that not only can we know what people need, we have to feel a connection to their pain. We have to feel a connection. We have to feel like, that's my brother, that's my sister. Maybe this will do it. Tell me if this does it. There go I, except for the grace of God. You have to know that that is you. And the only difference between that person and America, sometimes we get confused. We think it's our education. We think it's, you know, the way we were oriented. And we think, no, no, the only difference in that person and you, the Bible says, is the grace of God. Jesus is conscious. God is conscious. God is connected. That's head work. The Bible says that this gift also reveals that God is compassionate that I can't let you stay there and be cool with it. It's like David, I can't sit in my house of cedar while the Ark of the Covenant is in a tent. I have to build God a house. I'm not cool being cool when other people aren't cool. My heart just won't let me sleep at night. I'm compassionate. Number four, he was committed. I see where y'all are, and now I have to do something about it. The Bible says that when your neighbor comes and needs something, that if you have it, you should not tell them to come back tomorrow. That you should give what you have. And so God looked around the heavens and said, money's not going to, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. They belong to me. I could throw that at it, but that's not going to heal this. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. 
for he had found it upon, see, he established it upon the floor. Everything belongs to God. God says, I own everything, but I can't throw the world at this. What do I have that I could give to this? I have my only son. Only the blood of Jesus. The question of the day is, as I get ready to finish, can God get your only? Can God use your only? All of that is good. And say, say, say a common ground, we are conscious. Say we are connected. Say we can check the compassionate box. If you're listening online, say as a church and as a people, we are committed. All of that comes to naught if we don't have a plan. We got to have a course of action. What are we going to do about the hurting? What are we going to do about the broken? Because a lot of people and a lot of organizations and a lot of entities acknowledge them. We know they're out there. We know they're hurting. What are you going to do about it? And wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't throw what you have at it. Step back and figure out what it needs. Can I preach to somebody? I bet we have, and God has allowed us to have what it needs. I am thoroughly convinced that when you come into consciousness, it is only because God has let you come into consciousness. And in fact, he has sent you to come into consciousness. And anybody that God has sent to come into consciousness, he has put within their warehouse, within their inventory, what the situation needs. And y'all, what we do so many times is we give it what we want it to have. But we got to step back and say, God, what do I have? And, I, and here's, here's, here it is, here it is. If you give what does not cost you much, that was not God's solution. It better cost you something. Can I tell you something? Y'all ready for this? It might be your only. Can I tell you something? Are y'all ready for this? It'll probably be your only. And you look at your only and you'll find out that's the only reason God let you have it. It's so you can give it. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the only reason I got that. We have to have a course of action, and then who who's willing to cooperate with God? Jesus is willing to be this. And so I'm just about finished. But there are two challenges in the text that we look over when we read this that God would not let me look over. I had a rough weekend. Y'all asked me after church how and why. <laughs> I was moving my son back from Muncie and some stuff fell off my truck on the highway and I ain't got over it yet. <laughs> I feel like people could have died because of my negligence and it messed me up. So I'm not quite myself, but pastor pray for me. I feel better. There's two challenges in the text though. I'm going to hit these and then I'm done. The first challenge is this word in John 3.16, of world. We read through that too fast. We got to go back. Because 
God's objective. So, so verse 16, that's, that's God's introduction of Jesus. He gives us that introduction. God so loved the world, gave his only God's son. Whosoever believe in him should not perish, have everlasting life. Jesus is introducing that text and that scripture. But if you go to verse 17 and you open Jesus in verse 16, verse 17 is the instruction manual. Bible says, but wait a minute, before you use this, understand that God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What am I saying? I'm saying Jesus is God's gift to the world. He is a global gift. But all many of us just want Jesus to be our personal savior. Right? But if you tap in, Jesus is an all, this is an all or nothing proposition. You have to understand that Jesus was sent to the world to save the world. And you have access in as much as you're part of that problem God was trying to remedy. But it does not stop with you. And if you sign up to receive the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the freedom of God, then what you have also signed up is to be a part of the solution that heals and saves the world. You can't have part of it and not be involved with all of it. So it requires also that as it blesses you, you have to take it forward. So right here, I'm going to give my joke. Right? Here's my joke. Jesus, you might not think it's funny. I think it's funny. Jesus, just laugh if you don't think. I need to feel good. I had a rough weekend. Give me a laugh on this Jesus is the only thing that should be re-gifted more than fruitcake. <laughs> right? That if you tap into Jesus, you have agreed to help God save the world. You can't play in the mud and say, oh, wow, y'all got that mud over there? That looks fun. I want to jump in. Only problem is I want to stay clean. You can't jump in the mud and stay clean. Right? You got to decide. That if you decide to make Jesus a part of your life, then you have decided to help God save the world. It's all or nothing. Y'all, we just want the joy, the peace, and all like that. We don't want the work and the responsibility that comes with saying, I accepted Jesus into my life then that means you're helping God save the world. That means you can't have bias. That means you can't have prejudice. Because this gift is for everybody. Jesus is for everybody, everywhere, every time. So if you're not signing up for that, then you do not have the fullness of this gift. The last thing is, second challenge is, The Bible said he did it because he loved the world. There's a challenge. You'll hear a lot more about this. I think the way that common ground is called to go further, faster, so we have a great foundation, we, we are doing the right things, is if we decide that it's all love, that we're just going to love one another. The Bible says the that God loves people that we don't love. And it's hard sometimes 
like Jonah to understand that God loves Ninevites. <laughs> Why would you love Ninevites? And not only, Jonah, do I love them, but if you're indeed in me, you got to go tell them that I love them. That's the Jesus proposition. Here's what Leon Fontaine said, and I'm ending right here. When we talk about loving others in his book, The Spirit Contemporary Life. When we talk about loving others, we're not talking about mushy romantic love. To love people the way Jesus loved is to demonstrate that you value them. Every person on this planet wants to feel valuable. They want to know that they matter to someone and that their lives count for something. God loves each and every person in this way, not just those who believe in Jesus. God loves people who don't love him. God loves people who don't recognize his existence. God loves everybody. Maybe it would make more sense if I said God loves who you don't. For God so loved the world, what I'm preaching about today, what the praise he sung about, that he gave his only begotten, only one in his, oh Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us before we believed in Jesus and he loves people this way still. He's, and he's counting on us to show people his love. Showing people that you value them is one of the greatest gifts in the gift exchange that you can give. And it transforms your relationship with them. When people know they are valued, they are set free to grow and become all that God has created them to be. Pointing fingers at people for their problems or failures does nothing good, especially with people who don't know Jesus. They, they, that only drives them away from the solution that they do so desperately need which is Jesus, when we begin by loving others, valuing them as the magnificent creations of God that they are, and set the foundation for them to enter into one relationship that has the power to transform everything in their lives. So there's two challenges in the text. One, that if we receive Jesus, we would have a better worldview, right? Jesus didn't come so you could have a better house. That's the byproduct of his phrase. Jesus came, according to John 17, to save the world. And if you sign up for Jesus, you sign up to help with that mission. And the way that we could do it is the way God did it. He just loved everybody. And if you and I would commit to loving everybody, then I think we can go further and faster. Come on, everybody, let's give God praise for his words. You're going to hear more about that love thing. Uh, pastors are trying to see how we can massage that. I want to pray for everybody. Come on up and pray with me, man. That'll be good. This is probably one of our last sermons of the year. But God so loved the world, man, that, that he gave. And it is this whosoever, man. It's loaded, right? Yeah, amen. Yeah. It's loaded.
would you pray, man, that, that we would come to join the gift exchange? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, would you uh, join with me? I just like, as I was thinking about setting us up for communion um, <clears throat> and the idea of this gift that we've been given as we contemplate that and come to the table of communion together around that idea that we're also trying to think of how do we become a gift for other people um, throughout this season, but throughout our lives. Uh, so let me pray according to that, and then I'll kind of lead us into it. Uh, along this theme of love, though, too, <laughs> it's not just the idea that I love you, I forgive you, but that I'm inviting more. If there's correction, if there's... Um, something to be had in the midst of that, Lord. It's all love. Keep, keep coming with me. Keep coming with me. So let's pray together. So Father, um, Lord, we come before you as a means of saying that we have a, uh, a heart posture to accept and receive the gift that you are to us. To recognize the breadth and width and the power, the depth of the love that it represents. To come before you this season understanding the words of John 3.16 through the gift of your son is uh, maybe a paradigm shift even, but uh, certainly a perspective that maybe many of us have overlooked. And so God, would you allow that to sink deep into our hearts? And while you loved us and we were still enemies to you, maybe there's a gift that we need to extend to the enemies that we can identify on our life and become a gift to them and reveal them to them you through our unexpected actions through love that uh, covers sins but also love that would cover uh, and get past faults and insights to get on the other side of conflict and say keep loving me by telling me the truth thank you Jesus so Lord we come to this uh, as a people ready to respond in that Father I thank you for the word that Pastor Ken has spoken over us would you fill him up Father, as he has poured himself out over us, would you fill him up over this week, God? Would you um, make right uh, the, uh, the, uh, the possible um, uh, emotional fractures that come across when you uh, walk through a weekend like he had this week? And so heal those wounds, Lord, and lead us before your throne. We lift this up in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. I wanted to just say one thing that it might reasonably be said in 2022, given circumstances and situations that you know about, it might reasonably be said that God so loved the world or God so loved the people in that situation that he sent you. Awesome.